0: Pasterdocks, blast
1: scores!
0: David Pasterdocks! Back home's drive, save, rebound. Smith and Rask, Rob Smith in close. Tuukka Rask coming up big on the penalty kills. With York in the middle for Crazy back to even straight. Jake DeBrusk is on the board! His first National Hockey League goal. The Bruins lead 2-1. And Louie loves it. Hey, the tough guy sheds a tear. Your son makes the National Hockey League and scores in his NHL debut. Good for you, big man. Krejci, Krejci cuts back. Bjork, now McAvoy scores! Charlie McAvoy! Defense to offense transition, and the kids have Boston up by two. And an empty netter! Brad Marchand from the Bruins' zone with a dagger. Bruins hold on, Nashville, to win the season
2: opener, 4-3. And welcome to the first Bruins beat of the regular season here. Well, I guess we did one as the season was coming upon us, but this is the first Bruins beat of the 2017-18 season. Here on CLNS Media, Jimmy Murphy here with Joe Gill. And uh, Joe, uh, the Bruins 1-1 one one out of the gate. As we record, they're, uh, they're taking the ice in uh, Colorado for warm-ups, I believe, or maybe in a, in a bit they are. And uh, they'll be taking on the Avalanche again, who they lost to in the second game this oh. the season on Columbus Day 4 to nothing. They did, however, win their season opener against the defending Western Conference champion,
3: Impressive as hell, National
2: Predators. Uh, and it, yep. was, it was a it was a good win. It was very exciting. I, I saw a lot of things I liked, but you know, one thing we notice all the time, Joe, especially in hockey, is you got to pay attention to the ends of games. And oh, for sure. There were a lot of things at the end of the game that, like, you were like, "Oh, well, these are the things we're going to have to sort of trade off for all the excitement we're seeing," and that's well, fine. Yeah, but, I, mean, last but it I, think very- it, I think it carried over. It, it, you see this happen a lot, especially in hockey. It carried over into Monday, and, and I, I think that the Bruins were flat. I mean, day games are tough to get up with, but I think they were they were flat as a result of the way they finished the game before. There were a lot of flaws that were sort of creeping out, and I think they were exposed by by all accounts, is not that great a Colorado team, but they are 2-1 as they head into the battle Wednesday night.
3: Well, it, it got a little hair at the end of that Nashville game, I'm not going to lie to you. Um yeah. but and I'm just it, talking you know about, what? you
2: know, the turnovers at mid-ice. You saw a lot of yeah. that against Colorado, you know.
3: Yeah, the, the last-minute last goals and periods, which just, just drives me to kind of no of end. It drives back. me fucking bananas when they do that. Crazy. Because you fall asleep at the wheel. That's what you're doing. Yeah. You know. Um, the Colorado game, I had had Well, fortunately, I had a run errands. I could not see the game, but uh, when it was a 4 0 shout out, I, I just knew the Tuka Rask hate, hate train was coming into the station. Came, huh? I, heard he played, I heard he played pretty shitty, but I, I'm also it was, was uh, pulled.
2: I, I, wouldn't pulled. Say, I wouldn't say that. He, he, he had an off game, but it, it was by no means his fault. There was one goal the that was his thought, fault. That's it. All team thought.
3: So. What, what My thing, to, I actually had a, a – this is Guy Ryan who's actually in my chat room too who actually hates RAS to no end. And I said, you know what? Um, if you're going on the premise that RAS sucked, then you should bench the whole team and you can play one-on-six versus Colorado. So see how that goes. I mean that's, that's just – no one has – everybody bitches and nobody has any solution. So come to me with a solution and then we'll t- – it's like when you you know work in corporate America. If there's a problem. They don't want to know – there's a problem. They want to know how you're going to fix it. So, you know, all you Rask haters, come and fix it and let me know how you're doing. Because Malcolm Subban ain't going to save you.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think it's two, it's two games in and a season. People got to chill, and they definitely got to chill on Rask. I mean, you know, I, I'm looking at it. People are going to say, yeah, well, he blew that goal where he came out of the crease and he tried to race yeah. down the <laughs> You know what? I don't blame him there. I blame Jake DeBrusk. Jake Jake, Jake DeBrusk is the one who coughed it up. It made that play develop, and Rask is, you know, that's kind of a 50-50 shot you're taking any time a goalie comes that far out. He believed in himself. He took a gamble. He lost. End of story. I don't blame Rask on that goal. I blame Rask, though, on the first goal where he basically, just like, like he hadn't gotten into the game yet, and went to glove it, and it just trickled off his glove and into the net. You know, he's going to have to have a little more concentration there, but it, so are the youth on his team. Joe, I mean, and and I think the Bruins know that they understand. They're ready to be patient. We'll see. We'll see, though, if they go into like a ten game losing streak, we'll see how patient they are. But right, you know, I, I I think there's sort of this, you know, let's let's see how these kids develop. Let's see how it goes. Attitude, and hopefully we can compete. And they're not setting unrealistic expectations. And and Joe, I had a chance to uh, go one on one with Don Sweeney last week at media day. Uh, and it. we're gonna play that interview for you right now. We'll warn our listeners, uh some construction going on at Warrior Arena. Oh there? my god, I heard that. I yeah. was like, What's going on? Thank here? God it's not I don't have to sleep near there or something. Oh my god, it was oh god.
3: Hey, but you know what I you know, applaud applause to Donnie because he just went not stride with it he spoke up yeah for you and all that. But I thought so. he was
2: he was pretty forthcoming and honest and yep. um you know, really gave some thoughtful and insightful answers. So we're gonna play that interview for you right here. Here you go.
1: What was the key for you? let's just say for example last year through the coaching change and everything for you to be able to maintain your plan?
0: Well, it, it definitely starts with the communication and it starts with the support. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've tried to effectuate what the plan was and uh, you know, clearly you go through some twists and turns as a result of you know, We tried to remain competitive. We've always felt that we had a core group that mm-hmm. uh, deserved that and, uh, but also getting to be deeper. And that was all part of it, you know. Mm-hmm. Charlie and some of these guys coming online, yeah, that's what we're hoping for. Um, they dictate the trajectory of it. So at times you do have to, you know, sort of just grin and bear it to tell you mm-hmm. the honest truth, James. Like you just, you know, you know the noise is coming. Um, I created some of that. I, I understand, you know, some of the decisions we've made. I knew they would reverberate to some degree, uh, but you know, the path has sort of been laid out, and you know. Can we hope to accelerate it? Of course, you know, we're hoping to be able to, you know, our core guys want to win. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's all about. It's, at the end of the day, it's about winning.
1: You, you say the support there. There's a template sort of across the NHL for GMs, the five-year plan, so to speak. You're in the third now. Do you think if you don't make the playoffs last year, you're still here? I mean, do you like uh, to feel it?
0: I, I don't speculate on that, to tell you the honest truth. I set a course to, you know, to take advantage of an opportunity that I was presented with but that I felt that I had earned. Mm-hmm. Nobody deserves it, but you felt you had earned, and, and if it happens, you know, you have success, then that's great. I've also kept it in mind that most of the time these jobs don't end well.
1: <laughs> do. There's an yeah. end point some yeah. for everyone. Yeah.
0: I just expect us to, you know, to have the success along the way that I, I plan to have. I felt that way as a player.
1: There was a thing, you know, there was a sense around the city, maybe maybe we created, what have you. but that the culture was sort of going the wrong way, that the team was heading the wrong way. And yet, if you really pay close attention, I've talked to scouts sometimes, who a lot of them speak pretty highly of you. Um, it wasn't, it was, this was a plan and it was in place. How did you help the team as a whole, whether it be Bruce after the coaching change or that the players just sort of maintain that atmosphere that we are heading in the right direction to the point where you have a player like Pasnik who wanted to sign here?
0: communication is probably the uh, the area that you know you need to be very cognizant of uh, mm-hmm. the players have questions they want access you can't give them all uh, you know the information the details but uh, making sure they understood what we were trying to accomplish you know is it at the pace that they would like maybe not um, and continuing to make sure you know a good example you which know, was, it was asked two years ago at the draft, well, that means you're moving so-and-so to go get a defenseman or so on, and I, I kept saying, like, we, we, we're trying to find, you know, really talented young players that want to play here, just like mm-hmm. Birdie, just like Crutch. We, when we've done it really well, Marsh, every one of those players have moved through the course that you're just striving, mm-hmm. and that's what I wanted to get back to. I wanted players excited about, about the next guy coming, and, and, and and that's part of it. The culture piece, uh, you know, we're very fortunate to have Zidane and Berge and Marsh growing into that role. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and real players that, you know, you look at Kevin Miller and Adam McQuaid, two character guys that, uh, that take a lot of heat, but boy oh boy, they show up every day, you know, wanting to win and, and to try and get better. And that helps Brandon Carlo, mm-hmm. and, you know, all those guys get in a position where they can succeed.
1: You mentioned sort of that, that leadership core that has developed. What kind of role do they play? in that and how grateful were you for that last year
0: well I call it investment you know they've invested in this organization Mm -hmm. and and I want to prove to them uh, that we were invested to to be the best organization we can be from top to bottom that meant improving you know areas of this facility where the investment came in that meant adding to our medical staff and improving there that meant you know Whatever little small little detail that we could try to you know, realize that there was a mutual investment going on. And I think our players, you know, as I've, as I've recognized to them, you guys have invested. Mm-hmm. So we want to make sure we're always matching that.
1: And, and the youngest player coming in yeah.
0: realizing how they've invested and how much more they need to put forth mm-hmm. to be the player and to be the organization that, that, that hopefully we aspire to be.
1: Do you think that's a reason that, I mean, I, I don't see what's behind closed doors, but it seemed to go... Smoother than expected, the transition from Claude to Bruce mid-season is that one of the reasons you think because you had that veteran core in place.
0: I, I think they deserve a tremendous amount of credit. They they really did, and and you're you're talking about players that in Brad's case had become never Friends played, with him. Yeah, but they had never he had never played for another NHL coach. Yeah, that is, and they've won a Stanley Cup with that coach. Yeah, uh, you know, Claude's a damn good coach, and uh, our, our players were there was a shock associated with it. They took ownership of some of it, you know, feeling like as I did when I played for different coaches and realizing that I was part of the, mm-hmm. you know, you want to be part of the solution. You understand you're also part of the problem Yeah. because, you, you know, you weren't as good as what, what maybe you were capable of being. And uh, and I think our, our players themselves and our leadership deserves a tremendous amount of credit for, for, for getting us through that.
1: And there's one more question. For the back, you mentioned all these young players coming in. How impressed have you been with your scouting staff that you've assembled? And, you know, the guys that are out there, the bird dogs, watching these kids and, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's bumfuck. Yeah,
0: it's, it's clearly, you know, one of the hardest jobs, if not the hardest job in, in, in hockey. And I think all sports face mm. it, you know, and, and they're underappreciated to a large degree. You try to communicate with them uh, that they are doing the right job. and, and Try to encourage them to realize you find a guy that like Anders in the fifth round, man, look how impactful it potentially, again, potentially can be mm-hmm. for organization. When you make the right decisions, you feel really good as an organization, that it was a collaborative effort. And, I, and I've and i been tried to realize that every little detail that they're bringing to the table adds to, you know, to hopefully us making the best decision.
2: So, you know, I mean, look, Joe, as I, as I said to him there and I admitted it, we were part of it. I mean, a lot of people... We're all over them last year. A lot of people have been all over Don Sweeney since he took the job. Me being one of them at times. But I, you know, one thing I try to do, and I, I think you do too, I've noticed, is you give credit where credit's due. And, and the guy blocked out a lot of noise. He stuck to his guns. Yeah. I don't know how, but he appears. And, and I don't think it's just you know him saying it publicly, but not really telling the truth. I, I, it appears that you know Neely and Jacobs are. Not taking, I won't say a uh, hands off, but they backed up approach, and that's going to help the Bruins right now in the situation they're in because, like we said before, they got to wait and see, have some patience, and see where it goes. What was your take on that?
3: Well, I mean, as you said, it's five year plan, right? So it's what year are we in now? Three. This is three, four?
2: third year. Yep.
3: Okay, so um, you know, after the Bruins, you know, after the. Uh, the 13-cup run, the 14-president's trophy, and then falling off a cliff. I think a lot of people had no patience, uh, myself included, about – because it was such a drastic fall, right? It was such a drastic falling off the cliff. It wasn't like, you know, uh, eight-seed, 60th, eight-seed fall of the playoffs. It was best team in the league out of the playoffs. Yeah. So that's why I, I think Don might have got a bad shake. You know what I mean? He didn't really get his opportunity because everybody was pretty pissed off from the Shirelli fallout, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of what he left him – I said he always – he left him 100-foot um, mountain of shit with a teaspoon. I mean, that's exactly what he had to deal with. So, um, I think – I mean, even when he kept, when he had to keep those three draft picks and pick them in a row in the first round, I was like, what is he doing? Well, he's right? in the lineup going,
2: playing on the first line
1: now.
3: Yeah, right. I know they're going after, I think, uh, what, Hannafin, and they didn't get him. Um, but, yeah, so you got Dabrowski's play. He may, he's already, uh, you know, come to fruition. He's already in the lineup. Uh, was Zebrowski's doing pretty. deep? I mean, you tell me because I'm not really following in the. Uh,
2: He's doing okay. You know, he has a chance to maybe see some time up here, it, depending on how he performs, for sure. I mean, he, he went deep in the camp.
3: And the other kids in Providence, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. They got a lot of kids in Providence that could come up. I mean, they just called one up, uh, Danton uh Oh, the kid, you know, the, the
3: kid they drafted, which is uh, jeez, oh, Zach's decision. Yeah,
2: yeah. He, I mean, so, I think they're all. You know, they're they're pushing on the door, and they've got guys like you said that have already entered the lineup that are having an impact and, and are in position to have a bigger impact, you know, it, it's, uh, the future's bright. I mean, and you just got to be Hell patient. Yeah.
3: yeah, you know, I think, you know, I think, uh, as we said, wild cards definitely within their reach. Um, I, I think you made a good point when you did your uh, remote from the Bruins practice. I think it's, uh, you know, you're going to have a lot of, you know, a lot of growing pains here. There's going to be especially, I mean, think about it too. You know, two of their top four, uh, four centers were out, and that, that game against Colorado, right? They, they yeah. had no back. And Patrice know,
2: Bergeron is not playing again, again.
3: Which sucks. I know. What's going on there, man? I, I'm kind I, of worried.
2: I mean, I, I haven't heard anything. This is just my speculation. But I, I just think it's his ankle again. I mean, he's obviously been dealing with a serious ankle issue since last, not this past September just now, but last September at the World Cup. Did he, he hear that in the
3: World Cup of Hockey right yeah, after? Yeah, yeah. Right?
2: So this is, uh, you know, it's just been a nagging thing. I'm sure he's got a couple other... Uh, bumps and bruisers that nag him over the years that he's built. But, you know, the one thing I look at right now, and that that's probably, I would say, there's two things right now that worry me the most about the Bruins, and that's one of them, Patrice Bergeron's health. Yeah,
3: yeah, that's fair. Because,
2: you know, you can have all these kids step up and do it, but I don't know, I don't think they can do it on a you know, 82-game basis. I think they could do it for at least half the season, but there's going to be, like we said, ups and downs. And if you don't have a player like Patrice Bergeron in there to compensate those ups and downs for the for the growing pains of the young kids, you're in trouble. And, you know, I, I think that's a huge thing to watch right now for the bees because I, I think there's a lot of optimism around the team, but all of a sudden there's a little nervousness. And, you know... You look at the other thing is Zanino Chara. He, he's been all right the first two games. Yeah, right. special, right? But one 40, thing that worries 10. me, and I know it's only two games. Let's see how it goes on a road trip. Let's see what his time on ice average is when he gets back. But, you know, Kevin Paul DuPont made a good point in a recent column he wrote. And he's like, uh, I thought we were going to try and minimize Char's minutes a bit here. And they're uh, not doing that. And it's not like they have injuries on D where they have to compensate and, and have him pick up more minutes. Everything's in place right now. For them to gradually minimize his minutes, and right now, I, I think he's the leading ice skater on, on the Bruins on defense.
3: Yeah, you know, and, well, you had Krug out, right? So that you had. Oh yeah, you're shot, right. Yeah. My
2: bad. So yeah, that is a big thing. Well, you had him out one game. One game. Yeah, he had
3: one game, but you know, he, uh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't watch the game. Like I said the other day, is he wearing? A, I assume he, he's wearing a shield with the the jaw. Yeah,
2: but but. played more minutes one day than he did the first game. So, you got crew back, and yet you still. Right. They better watch that. That's all I'm saying.
3: Oh, for sure. I mean, he's got he's to got tread on those tires. There's no doubt about it. But, I mean, honestly, I, I'd rather have him out there than Adam McQuaid. McCre- I think Adam McQuaid. McCre- I'm See, sorry. I, I, I think the-
2: you're wrong, and I thought it was great that Don Sweeney in that interview went to bat for Kevin Miller and Adam McQuaid. Well, because you well, think Adam McQuaid is shite, and I'm guaranteeing you, whether you want to admit it or not, it's just a natural tendency of people to do that because of their salary. It is not Adam McQuaid's fault no, he's making too much money.
3: No, he's injury prone beyond injury prone. I don't think he's played a full season since they won the cup in eleven. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. No, that's you're
2: right. You're right.
3: Pretty close. And Kevin Miller and him are the same guy. And I was not a Kevin Miller fan, but at the end of last year, he picked it up and he played. Yeah. Pretty damn well. So.
2: Well, okay, that's fine. You know, and you make a good point about the injuries there with McQuaid. But I mean, let's not say he sucks. He doesn't suck. I think he's a very well, I mean, valuable player. If you he's, an him, HL,
3: he's an NHL defenseman. He's he not an
2: NHL know. defenseman. Are you kidding? Oh, that's what. No, so I that's I said, no,
3: said, Jimmy. Oh, you got to get the pot to your ears, laddie. I yeah. just said he's a. He I said he is an NHL defenseman, so he can't suck.
2: Yeah, I think if you use him for what he is, you know, and you don't judge things based on his money, and you accept him for what he is, I think he, he lives up to his uh, his billing. Quite a lot. I agree with you. I think Kevin Miller really developed the end of the year last year. I think those are two serviceable guys, and that's the least. You're yeah, they're
3: serviceable. Yeah, I hear you, and, I, and I'm, yeah. I'm happy you took the le- Leprechaun joke in stride. That was good. <laughs> um, but no, no. I mean, no, absolutely. I mean, their back end. You know, everybody thinks they're going to have the back end like they had in '11. I mean, that's far gone. You know, um, McAvoy's coming up, and he's going to be probably the guy in another year. So. Yeah. Um, sure. I'm excited to see him. I mean, I mean, end of the day, Jimmy, it's exciting now. It wasn't like uh, two years ago when you know everything was flatlined and they started shipping out Lucic and changing everything and moving people up, and you got like no hope. And you, you, you mean, know, when it's they not rebuilt, like rebuilt,
2: but they on the fly and they cl- they said they didn't believe in that and they weren't rebuilding yeah. and nobody knew what they were talking about. But oh yeah, that's exactly what you did, and and I give them credit; they did a good job at it. And so they're competitive and they still got things coming. They st- they're still rebuilding on the fly. Uh, right for sure so I, I I think that's a good thing you look at this trip and by the time most people listen to this there'll be a result in the, the Bruins Avalanche game uh Wednesday night um but you have and you that game, in and Vegas then, right and then you go to Arizona and you go to Vegas Vegas I think it, as you, I think, you pointed out in the beginning uh when we we hadn't started recording yet Vegas is really uh I, I think surprised a lot of people out of the gate but you know, as my man, Pam McGuire, said earlier today, I heard him on the radio saying they did a very solid job of not only scu- as they prepared for their season, the expansion draft and what have you, of last year, I, I think, and, and McGuire pointed out, I think he's right, they did a good job of scouting character and yeah, right. leadership, and you need that when you're oh, James
3: off. Neal, uh, I don't know about James Neal.
2: No, he's stepping up now, man. And from all accounts, he went through. Oh, he's funny now. I mean,
3: he's Yeah, he, he...
2: I I don't know if you saw the x-rays of his uh, injury. They didn't even know if he was going to play this year. They almost rescinded that uh, that move there. Like Really? Just oh, I did not get
3: hurt? He, he got hurt no, in the cup final last year or
2: before? Yeah, yeah. So they were, they, they were thinking were oh, getting a lot of problems. Like, there were going to be some problems there. They might even have to, like, send him back.
1: Um, oh, wow. Oh, yeah, oh.
2: so, you know, what he's doing out of the gate is unreal. Um, I give a lot of... Credit to the to the staff there, you know, scouting the players, and also to Gerard Gallant. And uh, perfect segue there, my friend. Speaking of the of Vegas Golden Knights,
3: oh yes, very excited. We've
2: got a very special guest coming up right now. I've known him since his days with the Providence Bruins. Uh, he's a he's a great guy, and he, he did a great job. He's now legendary in Bruins lore. He was able to ca- call that Cup win. He was ah, able to call it's that amazing right. Bergeron goal in Game Seven. Oh, God, Rangers,
3: I still
2: get chills right here. hear that. 2013, uh, and uh, he is going to be joining us now after what was a very, very emotional and uplifting night in Las oh. Vegas after the tragedy they went through.
4: Back down into the Vancouver zone with five seconds to go. The exit behind the Canucks net. Get the duck boats ready. Get the duck boats ready. After 39 long years, the Cup is back home. The Bruins are 2011 Stanley Cup champions. And Kirger on a one timer, same Romer, rebound loose at the top of the cris, Richard scores. Bergeron.
2: Bergeron.
4: game seven! And the
2: Bruins win the series! And here he is, the former voice of the Boston Bruins, and the new TV voice of the Las Vegas Golden Knights. And he's joining us here on the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media, and that's Dave Gosher. Dave, Joe Gill, Jimmy Murphy here. How you been, my friend?
4: Hey, good guys. That still sounds kind of odd. You know,
2: the former voice. It still sounds kind of
4: strange to me. But I, uh, I get it. I know what that's all uh, things there. Yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm still
3: having uh gripped and accept uh, as reality yet, Dave, so I still have that kind of uh, <laughs>
4: Um
3: But y'all also too, all your uh skits on ninety eight five, uh, you know, uh the karate kid and all that, great memories there too.
4: Yeah, well that was a lot of fun. That was uh you know, Toucher and Rich over there. You know, Rich came. and He has a long time—about six years ago. We did the first, I think, the first one of those, and uh, it was right after the cup. It was right after the Bruins had won the cup. But I want to say there was a stretch of time between the, when they won it and maybe the—I don't know if it was before or after the parade. I can't remember that part. But uh, yeah, he. Yeah, Rich said, hey, can you come in this room and call play-by-play of the, of movies? Uh, and I said, what the hell are you talking about? You know? Said,
1: well, that's what you do, right? That's all you do is just describe it. That's you know, all there is to
4: it. I'm like a trained chimp, you know? So,
3: Dave, Dave, the other ones with the uh, marathon runner that couldn't really hold their, uh, you know, I guess hold the trial. Oh,
4: yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's, yeah, they had, uh, he was disqualified for uh, excrement problems. You know?
1: All That right, right.
3: Those are just that is the actual goal. I would do that. I wonder if the people uh, out in Vegas know about your uh, your other uh, career. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know.
2: We might have
4: to keep it Boston, ex- Boston exclusive. You know. Yeah, yeah. exactly.
2: Right. Well, hey, you know, hey, if the radio, I mean, if the TV thing doesn't pan out, Dave, there's plenty of comedy places around there. You could pick up some side work. You'd be all right. Man, I'd love yeah, to I hear go this go whole Scenes of it all. You
4: know. If it all falls apart, I could just go to play-by-play movie scenes. I there guess, you
2: go. Yeah. You're in a perfect place. But listen, yeah. listen, Dave. Let, so let's uh, let's start off and go back. You know, you're telling us a little offline. Um, you know, you saw this sort of developed over the summer, and you get hired. And I, I guess just what was it like coming in um, to a team that had never played before? The, the brand new organization. You're part of that. Uh, just talk to us about the excitement of that, the unknown, and I guess. What is still unknown as you as you go forward here?
4: Yeah, and I think you know to a certain extent, honestly, Murph, that drew me to a a, a great deal. I mean, it was to be started something new and different, and um, and I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, the move to television is something that I it's been somewhere in the back of my mind for a while. And um, with that being said, you know, no, until uh, I guess the early August, no one had ever offered me a TV play-by-play job full-time. So, you know, I had done packages of games here and there. Um, So to come out here and be a part of this and, um, you know, I think a lot of people out here kind of liken it to a startup company to a certain extent, but it's, you know, it's a startup company that, you know, they pay $500 million to get in the NHL. So they've got a lot on the line and, um, but it's been for me, really refreshing to see a lot of, a lot of hungry people, a lot of young people that I think are really committed to making this work. And, and quite honestly, put put a hell of a lot of work into it, you know, much more than, you know, me strolling in here, you know, about a month ago. I mean, all the, all the real hard work was done, you know, many, many months before I showed up. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy that the early returns have been really good. And I'm happy for them because, uh, you know, as they say, they're the ones that really put the work into this.
2: Dave, obviously, uh, as they got closer to the season, I'm sure that, you know, we'll, we'll get to the tragic events of the last week and then what happened in the uh... – home oh, I'm opener there in a bit. But as they build closer to this, give us a, a sort of an inside feel of what the anticipation and excitement was amongst fans, amongst people in the city. Because I know that, you know, there were some question marks from around the NHL and the sports world. Can a pro sports team survive in Vegas? And are the other people that live there really going to care? Are they going to have enough of a real home fan base there? Or is it just going to be, you know, guys from Boston doing it when they're on a vacation in New York and Canada, what have you? What has the the feeling been amongst the community there as this has gotten closer?
4: yeah, everybody that I've talked to has been just incredibly psyched about it, you know, and i, I think that uh my understanding is they're probably going to sell it every game this year, or wow. it's not every game close to it yeah, wow. and i um I think at last check they had fourteen thousand season ticket holders, and you know as they say guys they they put on just a uh, one hell of a push to, to get this you know to get this franchise and also to you know, they had to get a, I think it was 10,000 season tickets, um, right off the bat, just to even be considered. And, um, everyone I've run across, you know, and just kind of my day-to-day going from, you know, point A to point B, um, you know, couldn't wait for this to get going. And I think they wanted their own team for, for a long, long time. So, you know, and again, that is something that kind of drew me to it, to be the, the TV announcer for the first ever sports team in Vegas, you know, and kind of the the entertainment capital of the world. I mean, not for nothing, but this is, uh, you know, one of the unique places on the planet, as you guys know. So, yeah. um, I think people have been just, um, incredibly pumped for it. Um, and, you know, as they say, uh, you know, the, the crowd last night was, uh, you know, a lot went into it, obviously with, uh, both horrendous events, uh, of October 1st, but, um, they were so. I mean, the first preseason game they had there, they they, they pretty close to sold out. So that's great. Um, You know, so far it's been great, and I, I know they're committed to to building this long term and and having it be uh, a successful franchise. they has been great people at you know, kind of running it from Bill Foley right out there through you know Larry Craven and George McPhee and, and Kelly McCrimmon. I mean, and that that's another thing that I, I found it enticing was that people that I have a lot of respect for that um, that I thought you know knew certainly what they were doing and what it takes to be successful in this league yeah for so sure. Dave, what,
3: what suite did they put you up in what hotel where, where are you living at
4: yeah <laughs> <laughs> I came out here everybody was pretty much over the phone interview wise but when i came out here i guess at the end of august to uh, look at some places potentially live it was the red rock casino i wasn't exact. i wasn't on the strip but red rock is a pretty uh Pretty good spot right off the strip in Summerlin. So uh, nice. there's no shortage of places, that's for sure. So, uh,
3: another question, too. I mean, I think the appeal of the team, too, of course, of the people that live there, but the fans that are evidently going to travel to Vegas to follow their teams. Yeah. I think you're going to have a lot of Bruins fans there on Sunday.
4: Yeah, I would agree with you. You know, and I think uh, I've already got uh, a lot of texts and emails from different people that,
1: you know,
4: that was the other thing. certainly, Yeah, I was going to be picking up and moving, and there's a lot to that, but it's, it's a place that, you know, either Bruins fans or family and friends are certainly going to, you know, it's a place they wouldn't mind visiting. the same no, way. Doubt, no so, doubt. Yeah, so I think that was, uh, that made it pretty appealing as well. You know, I wasn't moving to, I wasn't moving to Jupiter. I was moving to a place that's pretty... Uh, a <laughs> <Well>, Winnipeg <laughs> or, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, there's some other stops on the tour that probably uh, aren't as nice to visit in the winter, so... Um, that was part of it too.
2: easy on Winnipeg there, Joe. You know, you know where his uh his co host is from, right? Where oh, you know, I know. Yeah. I know, I know. <laughs>
3: Good, <laughs> Good old you Shane rather, Knight Would you rather, would you rather be sitting by a pool or plugging in your car. I mean I
4: mean come <laughs> I on. I mean, let, yeah, well, well it wasn't I don't think it was much to ponder for the old sheriff there when uh from a climate standpoint. From a personal standpoint it was it was a it's a tough you know, he's from that area, so it's uh Right. You know, but I, I think the winners in Vegas are gonna be a tad more enticing than the winters in Winnipeg. Yeah, know. for sure. Or even in Boston. For <laughs> sure.
2: In Boston, yeah. D- Dave, um, you look at that t- the team on the ice, and let's just talk, they're off to a 3-0-0 start. Uh, I-, I think surprising a lot of people right here out of the gate. And yes, it's early, and there's a long season ahead. Um, but I heard Pierre Maguire, uh, the, uh, actually today uh, he was talking on Montreal Radio, and he said one thing that he thought that the whole staff there that you mentioned in Vegas did a great job of, was not just looking at the analytics or the stats and uh, the big-name players, but also <coughs> doing a lot of investigating and scouting into the character uh, and the leadership type of players that they were bringing in. And it appears right out of the gate they've got a good quantity of those.
4: Yeah, they do. You know, it's funny. I, I think they one of the things that yeah, Gerard Gallant talked about a lot was they wanted, from the beginning, good people. And I, I think they were committed to building this team with with good um good human beings. And you know, especially in light of recent events, I mean, that has certainly come to the forefront. but for sure. and I also think maybe to a degree guys, I mean, I think some some of the players have talked about this. I mean, some of them have a bit of a chip on their shoulder. I mean, not all, but most on this team were left unprotected in the expansion draft. and I think they feel that, They've got something to prove. So, you know, to your point though, it is early. Look, I mean, they they played three games. Um, we didn't do the game last night because it was on NBCSN. But you know, the first two in Dallas, Dow- the first one in Dallas, uh, Mark Andre Fleury was unbelievable and gave them a chance to win. And James Neal came up big in the third period. And then uh, I thought they dominated most of the game the next night. Uh, their second game they played in Arizona, and um, and and deserved to win. And, and Neal came up uh, you know big form again in that game. So in overtime. Um, so yeah, it's and I will say too, fellas, it's it's not like you know the expansion teams of fifteen or twenty years ago. I mean, right. the way that the expansion rules were kind of put together this time around, they were going to get some pretty good players. I mean, right. um, Mark, you know, Jonathan at thirty goals in Florida last year. James Neal's a perennial at least twenty goal guy. Um, Riley Smith has had his good seasons in the NHL. Um, Something mm-hmm. like a Nate Schmidt, uh, who is you know, good young defenseman in Washington, and they got you know they've got a guy that's won three Stanley Cups in one in, in, in Flurry. So um, you know I think that's kind of that's helped them too. This is you know it's not like it was you know back back uh, many many years ago.
3: So Dave, uh, you were uh, of course in Boston 2013 with the tragedy of the marathon, and you were there as well uh, after October one would happen at the uh, Country Fest show there. Um, I already seen you know from a distance all the Golden Knights are playing, and it's kind of it feels like that even with the 2013 Red Sox if you remember. It's just sports really kind of bonds people, brings people together, puts smiles on their faces when they didn't think they could smile. Um, I know it's only three games in the season, but do you feel that there may be a little bit of magic there that could really help that city heal?
4: Yeah, I certainly hope so, Joe. I mean, you know, look, as you said, I mean, being, um, you know, we all lived through that, the marathon bombings in 2013, and I think that, one of the things I've mentioned here is that I do think sports can help, you know, and, um, you know, the Bruins were at the, as you remember the Bruins, that was that lockout short year. They, was, they were Good. supposed to have a game that night and, yeah. um, you know, that got got canceled obviously. And then, um, played the, uh, on the Wednesday that against the Buffalo, that Rancor let, Yeah, the let, yep. awesome. yeah. let the crowd sing the anthem, which is still, mm-hmm. you know, gives me goosebumps even if you're thinking about it. Um, and then they had a game canceled on the Friday because the manhunt was, was still going on. So there was – I guess my point, uh, I tried to make people here and, you know, we all remember David Ortiz. There wasn't you know, much doubt as to whose city it was. If I remember, <laughs> to, you know, so. uh, and I think the Celtics were still in season then. I think they might have been yeah. in the playoffs. So I, th- I just think all those teams, um, you know, they, they they helped. I think people – um, you know, try to heal as, as best you can. Look, it's far from a cure-all, and I understand that. That's what I've tried to kind of stress here, but I just think it gives people something else to, to focus on for two or three hours a day right. and, you know, get away from all the pain and get away from, um, you know, everything that's happened a little bit. And hey, look, and, and if they go right back to it, then that, that's understandable, but at least it's a little bit of a reprieve from, um, you know, just the, the dreadful events that happened here. You know, we had we had three people in our office that were at that concert that yes. fortunately got out, um, safely, but you know, they saw things that, you know, no humans, you know, should ever see. So, um, it, it hits, um, you know, it hits pretty close to home, obviously. And I, I felt the same, you know, the Monday that was on a Sunday night, obviously uh, the yeah. Monday here, just, uh, you Know, kind of that stunned silence and people walking around just kind of in a daze. And it, it brought right. me right back to those days, uh, you know, kind of right after the marathon. Joe, I mean,
2: it was, you got a uh, fall up there, Joe?
3: Yeah, I just looked, it was just, yeah. uh, I saw the highlights uh, of the uh, footage of when they brought all the first responders out the game last night. I thought that was uh, utmost class. And really, you know, end of the day, people think athletes are heroes, but at the end of the day, they're really not. It's the uh, first responders, you know. Uh, the police, the firefighters, the you know the medical
4: uh, staff, things like that. Those are the true heroes. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I, mean, you know, I, I got to tell you guys. I mean, they, you know, if you think about from an organizational standpoint, the people that kind of run the um, the game night entertainment, and, and right. you know, they, they, oh, yeah. they do a phenomenal job. They, they had to pull a one eighty, eh? They, yeah, they had to switch everything. I mean, yeah. they had the chance so it's the first ever. You know, your home opener is your home opener.
1: It's right. the first home
4: game in the history of the franchise. So they had to shift everything. Wow. Um, they're going to do most of that Friday night um, against uh, before the game against Detroit. But, you know, they had to change everything. And uh, so I, you know, I can't say enough good things. I mean, people a hell of a lot smarter than me. It, it, and it wouldn't take a lot <laughs> to, to plan a night like that in um, the emotion of it. But I thought, you know, to keep it very respectful and I, Mm-hmm. I think the thing that probably got to me the most was the 15 seconds of silence. Oh my God! The people that that you know we lost out here, but you know yeah. it also I think was um, you know then you always want to help the team and react because it is such an emotional thing. But I think if anything, they drew a lot of uh, inspiration from it. But they certainly they certainly played that way, I and mean, the game was over yeah, in about definitely. 11 minutes. They scored four goals, so uh, so yeah, it was it was awesome for to come out of a ceremony like that um, and then see you know, the team play as well as they
2: did. And I want to say, guys, I, I thought, you know, one of the things that stood out to me was, was Derek Englund. And, and the way he spoke there and sort of took it upon himself to to step out from the rest of the players there and, and you know, seize that moment and, and be a leader there. Like, I, he's, he was amazing. I would put the C on his jersey right now, gosh if I was at the Golden Knights.
4: Yeah. Yeah, I mean he's uh, you know he's a guy too that you know he's lived here the last fourteen summers. You know this is yeah. his home. He, uh, he had right, his wife right. here when he was playing in the East Coast League when Vegas the Vegas Seven East Coast League came back. Uh, you know two thousand three, two thousand four, I guess it was, and you so know they wanted. Well, look, that's as you guys know, that's not from a player standpoint. That is not their forte to grab a microphone in front of oh, eighteen thousand oh. people. You know, and um, so yeah, and I, I thought he kept it. Short and sweet and, yeah. and right on the money. And, uh, you know, and then, <laughs> you know, you couldn't write the script any better. And then, you know, he's, he's not a guy that you're going to count on to score a lot of goals. But he, you know, he ripped in. I think it was the second goal of the game, yeah. which was just, uh, just phenomenal. So it was great stuff. And,
2: and you know, I, I thought an interesting – I forget who the player was I saw, Dave. But, I mean, you might even be experiencing this yourself because you're new to the city as well. So many of these guys aren't like England, you know. And so many of them have only visited here and not really – understood or felt the the community uh, that probably a lot of us don't see. I mean, we go there as tourists. We're there to to have fun, gamble, do whatever, see the sights. But I don't think we know that it is an actual city, you know. And I I forget, it's killing me right now, but one of the players was like, you know, I I just didn't understand how tight-knit this city is right now. And to see the way they've come together has been amazing to me. I'm wondering, have you experienced that as well, just sort of learning more about the community through this?
4: Yeah, well, you
2: know, and I had
4: what I think most people, you know, hey, we've all been to Vegas and you do your thing, right? You go up and down the strip for four days. Need, yeah, and you need to go home. But, well, <laughs> you know, it's, um, I think that's the experience of just kind of coming here for a long weekend. But to, to live here, look, I've only been there a month, but there's a hell of a lot more to it than just, you know, just the Vegas strip and, you know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, how scenic it is. I mean, you know, you get out towards Red Rock Canyon and Summerlin, it's just a gorgeous area in the mountains. And, um, But I also think I, I can't remember, it's probably more than one player that said it's a big city but a small community, you know, yeah. and yeah. that's kind of the feeling I've gotten is um, people have, you know, to me have been incredibly welcoming. And, and I think for the players, I mean, the, the odd thing about the timing of all this is you're right. I mean, outside of Derek Anglin, this area is new to everybody. You know, yeah. it's, you know, the players had only been here a couple of weeks. They had played preseason games. We had a preseason game that night, um, earlier that night, the night of the shootings. And, and Shane Knighty and I actually drove right by Mandalay Bay probably an hour before everything happened. So it, it's just, um, it was, you know, that's the part that it, it was new to everybody. But I think if if anything, when something like that happens, I think it even, maybe they're even more galvanized and want to be part of the community and you know george McPhee said that guys the first meeting they had the next day guys were coming forward you know they they were stepping up and they were speaking and they were saying look we're, we're going to do anything we, we have to do to yeah. try to help people which which i thought was awesome i i
3: think uh exactly what show with the city
2: is when you saw the next day the people waiting in line to get blood i mean that was ins- unbelievable it was great stuff. Hey, hey Dave, let's talk uh, before we let you go here. Let's go back to some of your time in Boston there. and uh, Obviously, we already referenced it there that year of the marathon bombings. And, of course, the Bruins uh, have that amazing comeback against Toronto and then go to the final that year. But going back, I mean, it, it's got to be tough, obviously, for you to pinpoint other than, you know, maybe that year in the cup winning year. But what else uh, stands out to you from your time calling the games uh, for the Boston Bruins in eight five the sports up?
4: Yeah, I think that's most of it, Murph. I mean, look,
2: I, you know, I did the game 17 years and
4: it's, uh, you know, especially I guess from the time Claude Julien took over in 2007, I mean, they, they actually built a team that was a, a championship team and a, you know, a team that contended to win it again in 13. And I think those are the probably the things I remember the most. I mean, that, um, you know, that cup run of eleven or the mm-hmm. first round series against Montreal where they won three of the four games. They won an overtime. Um, you know, the Nathan Horton with some enormous goals in that series, including game seven and game five and double overtime. That one I think that gets lost in the shuffle sometimes is that he scored a double oh, overtime yeah. in game five against Montreal, right? And uh, you know, Game seven in Tampa Bay won nothing, which still might be oh, the best game I've seen in person, right? And I mean it was it was phenomenal and um you know, the whole series against Vancouver that year. I mean, I, uh, a buddy of mine from back home had come out to Vancouver for the first two games of that series. and You know, they lost the first two games. We were sitting having a beer afterwards and thinking, Jesus, they, you know, they got a ways to go to win four out of five. And sure enough, they did. So, yeah, I think those are, you know, the comeback against Toronto was unbelievable. I, I think the parade in 2011, that's probably the other thing that I, right. I would think about the most. I mean, I think every time to this day I go down uh, Boylston Street. I think of it, you know, that Boyle yeah. Street's one way, you know, this way, if you know what I mean, but they, they, they to the traffic and the, the parade route went the other way down Boyle Street. And I just remember people back in 25 and 30 deep and hanging out of windows and, you know, standing on top <laughs> of the bus stop. I mean, <laughs> it was just hanging out of trees.
3: I, I mean, I was 38 30 years, years old. Boys. I, was it was
4: unbelievable, you know? I was
3: crying at 38 years old and it was okay. It was completely okay. Cause yeah. Because, right. you know, yeah, I never right. saw a cop. So, I mean, uh, it was just unbelievable, and you know, honestly, I thought there were going to be more because I thought with the nucleus there, and we don't want to get into it with uh, Jimmy because he likes Peter Shirelli a lot, and I want to upset him. But it just felt like there was going to be a dynasty. I don't. Know, did you feel like the, the Bruins could have got a couple more out of that that run, or it's, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, you
0: know,
4: the um, you know, I'm trying to think back. I mean, the next year in twelve, they lost to the Capitals in the first round. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is a big upset in seven games, right? With with Till Ward scoring, and um I don't think it's any question they were kind of worn out. I think from the,
3: the on, long man. run of
4: winning it the year before, yeah. And then, you know, that thirteen team, you know, if you remember, they were they you know, were up three to one against Toronto in that series, and then the next thing you know, they're down four goals with eleven minutes left in Game Seven, and you know had to come back for the ages, and that really kind of spurred them on. But they were. Uh, that they were a Jekyll and Hyde team for that that sort of year. I mean, some nights they looked like they would never lose, and other nights you really kind of shook your head. So, um but that kind of galvanized that group. I mean, they went on and uh, you know they beat the Rangers in five, and they swept Pittsburgh in the conference final, and then had a great series with Chicago. But um, you know, and I think probably that next year was the one that really kind of stung because yeah, they yeah. that was the year they won the President's Trophy, right? Yeah, and they then lost to all in the second round in seven, and so I yeah I mean I think it's probably a combination of things guys and I yeah you, you hope maybe they the um, you know maybe they go on a run like Chicago of uh, you know three cups in six years or yeah. LA won a couple of cups in a in a five or six year period well two cups in three years but you know what I mean like it's um, but you know for a variety of reasons um, you know they lost some players to free agency they you know they made some trades and probably uh, you know didn't work out the way that most people wanted them to work out. I mean, but hey, those things, they happen as, as you try to build teams and, and build teams to win. And I, you know, I, I will say that, you know, um, I certainly think we're on the right road. I mean, with um, some of these young yeah, guys sure. that are in, and I, you know, I've kind of kept an eye Sorry. on, you know, Jake DeBrusk and uh, Andrews Bjork and Charlie McAvoy. I saw firsthand last year against the Ottawa Senators in that series.
2: So I certainly think Donnie Sweeney and his staff have them you know pointed in the the right direction which is a good thing i gotta ask you dave before we let you go here uh just going back to those two memories you said are probably up there the the cup winning game there in game seven vancouver and then the the bergeron goal as an announcer how many times do you leading into something like that do you envision that and then how different is it when it actually it actually happens there
4: well yeah there were two different experiences murph you know like the the, the comeback against Toronto, I mean, was
2: uh, you know, was ridiculous. I mean yeah.
4: <laughs> I, I remember looking I kind of remember light, my phone with like uh, twelve minutes left and I I don't know, I was looking at my phone during a commercial break or something and I was getting pissed because I had friends texting me saying, This sucks, do you want to play golf tomorrow? You know, <laughs> whatever and then I kinda put the thinking. phone away, like I pushed it away from myself, you know, and then when they came I don't know, they got it to four to three or maybe it was after they tied the game you know, Bergeron tied it, I looked at my phone and the tone of the text changed of course. dramatically, you know? Yeah, Boston um, fans, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so that the one was just really, uh, you know, kind of an organic, uh, visceral reaction to like, yeah, I can't believe they just won this game. Uh, and plus, you know, I, my, I just like, you know, I think so much of Patrice as a, as a person. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've known him since came to the league when he was 18. So um, yeah. the duck boats was something that was just kind of floating around in my mind. I'm not a big fan of like, um, you know, this is exactly what you're going to say because I, I just think it sounds it sounds that way. You know, right, and, uh, right. but you got to remember at that point in time, you know, the Red Sox had won two World Series in that period of time, and the Celtics had that's won great. it, yeah. and the Pats had won it three times. So I was just kind of like, you know, that was what I kept thinking is now the Bruins are have their own parade. So that's kind of what what came out. But you know, there's different experiences. But those kind of the ones I think I I certainly you know hear, hear about you know hear about the most.
2: And I, you well, know you'll
3: probably write some in Vegas too. You'll probably have some of the Craig calls in Vegas as well. So,
4: yeah, somebody texted me after I got the job and said you might have to say something like get the slop machines ready or something. Like <laughs> <laughs> that's just <laughs> hey, I you, Dave, got the ring to it,
2: you know? Yeah. Try
3: meet us at the buffet at the Mandalay, you know, so whatever?
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you know what, Dave? I remember you back, and that's—I think that's when I met you through our uh, mutual friend and your colleague, then Tommy Ho And I remember meeting you in '99 when the you were calling nice. the P Bruins and. Uh, they had won it. I met you back then, and I, I, I gotta All say, right. yeah, I, I gotta say, it's been you, you've been on a hell of a ride, and here you are in Vegas. And uh, we wish you nothing but the best, my friend, and I appreciate you joining us.
4: No, my pleasure, guys. Good to be with you, and uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll connect here soon enough. My yeah, pleasure,
2: for sure. Thanks and so anytime you're back, we'll be here. Have a good man. Good
4: luck out there. All right, guys. So we'll talk to you. You bet.
2: Take care. Dave Gosher, the former voice of the Boston Bruins and now the TV voice of the Vegas Golden Knights, joining us here on the Bruins Beat on CLNS. This has been another great episode. It was good times, Joe, huh? One quick thing,
3: Jim. One quick thing.
2: Yeah. I I just want to uh,
3: take this moment. I know it's not hockey, but I just want to take this moment to thank the New England Patriots uh, for doing something great. uh, As you may know, Uh, it's Cancer Month. Uh, I am a thyroid uh, cancer survivor. I was at stage three. I had a tumor in my neck that probably resembled a, a small baby's head. Um, and I was chosen as a season ticket holder to be on the field for the Atlanta Falcons doing the Patriots game, which is going to be a thrill of a lifetime. So these are great things about sports, right? Jimmy, we just talked about Dave that can lift you up, can really, uh, make you feel great and really get you through tough times. So that's just a little,
2: yeah, no, it's great stuff. And, and that is, that's why I love covering it. That's why we love cheering for it. And, uh, you know, it's good stuff. And, hey, that was uh, that was great to hear from Ghosh there. And Definitely. we got a heck of a season ahead of us, I think, Joe. So uh, I look forward to more of these on CLNS. This has been the Bruins Beat with Joe Gill and Jimmy Murphy. Go
3: Bruins. Ladies and gentlemen,
0: athletes are often referred to as heroes. Tonight, as we introduce your Vegas Golden Knights, we'd like to introduce our heroes. The heroes of Las Vegas, those people whose actions on one October will forever remind us of the best of humankind.
4: Promotion obviously this week and, and I think what we hope to try to do a little bit tonight is to help people to heal a little bit. Extra attacker on for the Golden Knights during a delayed penalty, Neil shot, deflected, score! James Neal let it go during a delayed penalty and the first goal in Golden Knights history ties the game. Under three minutes to go, he can up the middle into the Dallas end, beats it to Neal, shot, score! James Neal from both knees puts it over Ledman to give Vegas the lead.
0: That's it. In their first
4: ever game
1: in the National Hockey League,
0: the expansion Vegas Golden Knights do what very few expansion teams do, and that is winning their debut. Just watch you. Watch.